Dark, Dark Light, Meditations on the War in Ukraine. Well, before we're done with this podcast today, this episode, we're going to cover some amazing new opportunities in the face of all of our current challenges. And that, of course, is the light part of the title of this episode. But first, some questions to nibble on. How are you making sense of this war that is raging in the first months of 2022, this war in Ukraine? What are you reading about the war? Who are you talking with? And to whom are you listening? What are you believing about all of this? And of course, the other challenges that are related. Have you formed an opinion about what ought to be done to resolve the war, to resolve some of the other challenges which are also swirling about us these days. And when you query your mind and heart, look inside, what response comes back? Well, all those questions and more we're going to jump into today, and that's my way of welcoming each of you to another episode of Dale Byron's Poetry Podcast, where uh, we're going to look to the poetic tradition to begin to at least tease up to some of these questions which are confronting us at this moment in time. We're going to lean heavily on the life and work of poet William Stafford, who was a conscientious objector during World War II and uh, voice for peace all his life. But first, I want to just uh, tap into a few other poetic quotes and poet quotes which seem relevant today. The first quote I want to turn to is one which has been turned to often in these times. It's by the poet Yeats, and he said it like this in a famous part of a poem, things fall apart. Things fall apart. The sinner cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is lost. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are filled with passionate intensity. Yeats was, of course, writing those lines around the time of World War I, and, uh, and yet they seem contemporary, up to the second contemporary. The second piece that I want to um, quote is by the great poet Wendell Berry, and this one really encapsulates the way I think I am feeling and a number of my friends. And uh, he said, the mind that is not baffled, the mind that is not baffled is not employed. (laughs) So I don't have to worry because uh, I think uh, I have plenty of bafflement uh, about these times. And uh, Barry seems to be telling us that uh, rather than try to hide that, that it is something that proves we are deeply in to the moment. Uh, 
So, uh, and our minds are employed. So let's, uh, let's jump right in, though. I mentioned the poet William Stafford, and, and again, around all these times, meditations on the war in Ukraine, William Stafford, of course, was a conscientious objector during a very, very difficult war to be a CO uh, in, and that was World War II. And I'm going to read you a little excerpt from some things he wrote about those times, but I want to jump into a poem that he wrote, which, again, seems so pertinent to these times and these anxieties and all the rest. This poem by William Stafford is called At the Bomb Testing Site. At the Bomb Testing Site. And it goes like this. At noon in the desert, a panting lizard waited for history, its elbows tense, watching the curve of a particular road as if something might happen. It was looking at something farther off than people could see, an important scene acted in stone for little selves at the flute end of consequences. There was just a continent without much on it, under a sky that never cared less, ready for a change, ready for a change. The elbows waited, the hands gripped hard on the desert. I've always found the understatement in that poem to be particularly devastating. And it reminds us that oftentimes if we are given the scenes and allowed to let the scenes and the images soak into us in a deeper way, then we actually get the feeling, in this case, of uh, nuclear weaponry. We get the feeling of what that actually means in the world by looking at this smallest little critter who is in the desert and the test is about to happen. William Stafford, at a different point in his life, had an aphorism, and I think it's also appropriate. By the way, I love the way that Stafford would say that aphorisms are just poems with bib overalls on. (laughs) I always love that, and I think it's true. But Stafford, one of his aphorisms was this, wisdom is having things right in your life and knowing why. Wisdom is having things right in your life and knowing why. And this to me seems to be a time where we need wisdom uh, so, so deeply and in such critical ways. So, when in speaking about wisdom, that brings me to another few lines I want to bring. These are also from a famous William Stafford poem, which I've loved for many, many years. It's called A Ritual to Read to Each Other. But I just want to bring four lines, because I've got a lot of 
poetry that I want to uh, bring today, and uh, I want to focus on these four lines from the poem, A Ritual to Read to Each Other. Uh, And if you would like to read the whole poem, just uh, do a little search on that, and you can find the poem very easily. But these are the lines I want to uh, point out. He said, if you don't know the kind of person I am, and I don't know the kind of person you are, a pattern that others made may prevail in the world, and following the wrong God home, we may miss our star. That's the way the poem starts, the first four lines. If you don't know the kind of person I am, and I don't know the kind of person you are, a pattern that others made may prevail in the world. And following the wrong God home, we may miss our star. So, where might we find the right God so we do not miss our star? And that brings me to the title again and a promise that I made about opportunities, the title of this episode being Dark, Dark, Light. And, uh, of course, light, as in the light, equals or stands for the opportunities in these times of um, deep darkness, I would say. Deep darkness. The first one, the first darkness, is of a horrific war, of course, and it's the the war in Ukraine that we're focused on. So the first darkness is a horrific war, and with that, our, again, in our modern world, rolling what I call the nuclear dice, and that is that there are many calls for stepping up the war. There are many calls for trying to do, you know, what is necessary to stop the war. And the the tragedy is that we have just hundreds and hundreds of atomic bomb warheads that we have aimed at each other between Russia and the United States. And we have um, a policy of mutual assured destruction, which seems to me particularly mad these days. The second darkness we have, of course, is a horrific, also horrific, overshoot of the Earth's carrying capacity, which is exemplified in one overt symptom, but not only the symptom, but the symptom of climate change, which gets most of the press. But actually, we have the problem of overshoot is one of oceans, it's one of air, it's one of soils, it's one of... um, uh, of extinction, it's it, there's many many uh, areas to it, and of course that is a 
a deep, horrific darkness which we face. Now, what about the light? Well, will this be the opportunity? Will this be the opportunity for us finally to confront and address this business of mad, mutually assured destruction, the madness of nuclear bombs, nuclear weaponry? Will we finally face that and do something that that makes it so we are not depending on luck, which is our strategy right now, basically, is depending upon luck to keep from destroying the world. So perhaps being at the edge of this will have us begin to look at the possibility of moving beyond this madness. The second is finally confronting because of how complex this is and complex with the oil uh, sales and fossil fuel sales which come out of Russia, which are financing this whole enterprise so that we can finally confront and address the overshoot and climate change, which would then be a way to not only back away from fossil fuel for the primary reason of climate change and other challenges, but also to begin to defund some of the more difficult things which are going on in the world. Um, And finally... And finally, in reflecting on Putin's war, we can also in our own country, in the United States, begin to look at the times when we have started wars on false and dubious grounds like Vietnam and like Iraq. Those three things, if we can begin to actually address those three things, then there will be a great amount of light. In fact, if you think of it this way, um, and I have uh, become involved with something called Bright Future Now, it's a network which I have recently done some coursework and joined and one of the the images in this is that there are these three great times if you think about it. so so let's step back thousands of years and look at these great epochs and so the first epoch was the hunter gatherer time uh, which lasted for a very long time the second era was the empire era and that is the one which we were we are still involved in but moving into what has been termed the planetary era. And again, this is based on some amazing work of Robert Gilman and others. And uh, in this bright uh, future now network, which is uh, at uh, context.org, if you're interested. So um, can injustice... Um, oh, I'm, I'm actually moving into a quote by the poet William Stafford again. And it seems to me this moving from the empire era, which we are doing, into the planetary era. And the question is, can we do it with skill 
and with um, equanimity, and can we do it with haste, (laughs) I guess would be a way to say it. So what William Stafford said once was, he said, can injustice, can injustice one way be corrected without the interim reaction that tries to impose injustice the other way? And I think, again, this is a quote which speaks to, it's a very poetic quote which speaks to the idea that we must evolve in order to bring the light, we must evolve beyond this era of empire and all its assumptions as we move forward. One of the other things pertinent that uh, Stafford once said was, politicians need citizens who will permit them to behave reasonably. Yes, I think that is true. So, I promised that I wanted to read some lines which I think are quite poetic. Remember, I always believe that a poem is simply words that have a stop and pay attention. And these come from the foreword to a book, actually William Stafford's first book. of It was prose, not poetry. It's called Down in My Heart, and the subtitle is Peace Witness in Wartime. And... Uh, Stafford uh, reissued, reprinted the book in 1984. It was originally published just after World War II in 1947, I believe. And this is the foreword that was written for the second edition. He calls it a side forward, a side glance at history. No one knew in that spell While war came on in the 1930s, no one knew how civilization would find ways to destroy itself. The Nazis and the communists would join and then explode apart. In the hardening of war, death camps would come into being. Both sides would go trance-like into spasms of effort to kill. Bombing of cities would begin and increase till the end when a vast new bomb would devastate areas inconceivable when the war began. Losers would be tried and executed. Years would pass. The spell of that war would endure. And even today, on hair-trigger alert nations, uh, are ready to begin the sequence again. No one knew. And today, when the steps that led to that spell are studied, Refinements are created. How if an army had been early prepared or tactics anticipated or the selfish concerns of one nation had been more carefully thought out so as to accomplish its own purposes? Back then and now, one group stays apart from the usual ways of facing war. They exist now and they did then in all countries." Side note, he's talking, of course, about conscientious objectors. He goes on. Those who refuse the steps along that way are a small group, and their small role is a footnote in the big histories. This book is a relic about them from that spell of war, an odd bit of history compiled mostly from letters and diary notes kept during four years in camps established for conscientious objectors 
in the wartime USA. To me, the book is a distanced object, a curiosity, but it has meaning, I think. At least it is a war relic or a peace relic, and here it is, unchanged, offered as it was published in 1947 and reprinted in an ambiguous time. And that time was 1984. So I thought, again, that that was appropriate because we need to begin to witness and call others to witness, call our friends and loved ones and colleagues to witness these times. And one way that I wanted to do that was to bring a few lines that I have written in the last month or so, which are entitled, the same title as this episode, Dark, Dark Light. Here's how it goes. Listen, listen. Some wars are better than others. Take the ones that swerve into a peaceful talk, and even if by mistake, cause calm intervals lasting nearly forever. Or maybe a war that never happened at all. That would be pretty good, too. But for this war, but for this war, a war that is raging now, let's at least learn, not waste the pain of a rigid and dying empire thrashing about unbearably. The current triple tragedies of death, oil, conquest, a rolling the dice on that might-makes-right dance one more time, or ending the earth's love affair with life by a slower but greater conflagration, or atomize all in an instant, both a fierce no spoken out loud to all earthly beings, for then, for then, it will be we, it will be we who create the more of it, by big, big, bigger degrees, the cries without answers, the no going back now, the my God, what have we done moments, and of the great silence called gone, a dance of fire married to destruction. And then again, and then again, to all infinity, these everywhere places of our dreaming. No, let's not waste the pain this time. A new, whole, shining world beckons. No, let's not waste the pain this time, this time. A new, whole, shining world beckons. So, as I walked into this poem, as I walked into creating this poem, and stayed there as it came to me, I found, and I find at this moment, that my 
thin hopes, my thin gruel of hopes, have evaporated and replaced by some kind of gnarly inherited faith. That's what survives. And that's why I'm asking the question, can we at least learn from this? Can we witness this? Can we take just a few new steps into into the light? Into the light. Which brings me to the last poem that I wanted to bring today in this episode, in this talking about dark, dark light, these meditations brought on by the war in Ukraine. The poem I want to bring, this last one, is called Waking at 3 a.m. And again, we're turning to the great poet, the amazing poet, William Stafford. Here's how he put it. Here's what he had to say about waking at 3 a.m. Even in the cave of the night, even in the cave of the night, when you wake and are free and lonely, neglected by others, discarded, loved only by what doesn't matter, even, even in that big room, no one can see. You push with your eyes till forever comes in its twisted figure eight and lies down in your head. You think, you think water in the river. You think water in the river. You think slower than the tide in the grain of the wood. You become, you become a secret storehouse that saves the country. So open and foolish and empty. You look over all that the darkness ripples across. More than has ever been found comforts you. You open your eyes in a vault that unlocks as fast and as far as your thought can run. A great snug wall goes around everything and has always been there, will always remain. It is a good world to be lost in. It comforts you. It is all right. And you sleep. You look over all that the darkness ripples across, more than has ever been found, comforts you. You open your eyes in a vault that unlocks as fast and as far as your thought can run. A great snug wall goes around everything, has always been there, will always remain. It is a good world to be lost in. It comforts you. It is all right, and you sleep. I can't even tell you all the ways that that poem is comforting to me, even in the face of all the difficulties that confront us now. Even when lost, even when baffled, as Wendell Berry says, 
You don't know what tiny thing we don't know, what tiny thing or things we might be able to do that saves everything, that changes everything. Or maybe one thing. Or maybe just our own trembling self to feel a little more harmony within ourselves when we most need some tenderness and self-compassion and to have that interior harmony and then be able to spread it to others and then be able to be in such harmony with the entire world. That is what is at stake. And everything, everything depends on our own first small step. At least, that's my deep faith and belief. Okay, well that is a wrap. And if you have learned something today, if you have felt something new today, if you've enjoyed the poems and the commentary, please uh, pass this podcast on to others or make a comment or like it or any of that stuff would be great. And now I like to say, please, especially in these days and times, please take good care of yourself.